Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Rodrigo Perez. Um, so, um, you guys are here. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you guys are here for Hyena. This is uh, going to be something of a, a British cult crime classic, I think. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's quite the, the, the thrill. It's a little violent, but it's, uh, it's a great, great film. Um, we should take a look at the trailer if you haven't seen it already. I think that policemen like Michael Logan wouldn't exist. They exist because they're good at their job. They do good work and they become untouchable. But this is in the 80s. And if we don't stop scum like that now, we'll end up working for them. The target for us at the moment is a family of two brothers. They're very heavy traffickers. <laughs> Let's nail these pair of bastards. You put us down for drugs, we do the same, huh? You put us down for murder, we take you down. You're a good cop. Always have been. That's why we picked you. Then you stop eating. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. a pretty great trailer. Um, I'd like to introduce the director, Gerard Johnson, and the star, Peter Fernando. <laughs> Peter, did I get that? I got that wrong again, right? No, what did you say? I don't know. I, Peter, Ferdinando. Ferdinando. I, I, I don't know why I'm messing that up all the time. So I can't get that I right. I told you twice. That's all right. I know. I, it's, it's, three I keep times. getting tricked no, up three on times it. I told you. I'm getting tricked up on it. Um, this, this movie, is uh, this trailer is really great. And you got this uh, terrific uh, endorsement by Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, I don't, hopefully you guys know who he is. It's a, he's another great crime director. Um, I love the way this is shot. Um, the look, the colors, the feel. Um, can you, tell, about, can you can tell, tell us a little bit about some of those choices? Um, yeah. Um, well, I think... London, because it's a, a London film and I'm a London filmmaker, I think it's sort of really been underused in, in films, you know. In, in New York, I think a lot of filmmakers utilise the city really well over the years, you know, Le Met, Scorsese. Uh, in Paris, it's the same thing, but London never seems, they never seem to, it never seems to be filmed in, in a way that looks cinematic. It's very flat, they use the same uh, buildings, you know, stock footage. It could be any number of uh, British films. So for me, it was about creating a film in London that, you know, London was a central character, you know. Um, and also we wanted to really film mainly at night. Um, so it has that nocturnal feel, mm -hmm. hence, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons for 
the title hyena, but that, that being one of them, that they're nocturnal animals, really. Um, and yeah, my, my influences were more, I suppose, European, uh, in, in, in a way that, you know, going back to Jean-Pierre Melville, you know, the old policiers of yeah. the, the 50s and 60s, and creating, going into that world, um, and trying to yeah make it quite colourful because a lot again a lot of British filmmaking is the opposite. You take the colour out, you know. It's the, <laughs> it's the the kitchen sink drab kind of thing. Yeah, and in a way, I think Tony was quite you know it, 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 again I shot London. It was it was almost not all on location, um, but it was a different tonally. It was slightly different, so we wanted to drain the colour out, whereas this we wanted to put more colour in. It, re it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Abel Ferrara's uh, The King of New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, what uh, drew you to want to uh, tell this, this story? And um, Peter, what, what drew you to want to play that part that's obviously not easy because this guy is in a pretty uh, challenging mental state? Mm. Well, well, I, uh, no, I was going to say, I'm going to ask the first and that will lead, you, you on, your, lead, on, lead on, lead on so to it. So, so but basically it's coming from the same place really because we met a guy who we became friends with a number of years ago. Um, we met him around, there's an area in, in London called Shoreditch, which is like party central uh, now. Uh, it has been for the last sort of 10 years or, or so. We met a guy who was a real character um, quite a live wire. Um, we met him and his girlfriend at a party and there was something about him that, that, that drew both of us um, to this guy. You know, as I say, he was a party animal, he was a big drinker, big drug taker, <laughs> covered in tattoos, Irish. Uh, but unbeknownst to us, he was an undercover policeman, which we found out within a few weeks of knowing him. And his girlfriend took us to one side and said, look, there's something, before we get too friendly, there's something we should tell you about him. He's, wow. And it was his day job. So if anything, that made me want to find out more about this guy, you know, because uh, he was really living this double life. Um, and he, and, th and, th and obviously you met him at the, the, the same time. So we did try and contact him when this film went into development, but um, by that time he he didn't want anything to do with uh, the film anymore. But well, it was, I was Gerald. Once we got to know him, and Gerald said, "This is an idea for a film. This character is a movie," and it was something we always talked about long sure. before we did our first film together. Tony, it was something, and I I was desperate to play that that character or play. Yeah an impression of that, 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 that guy that we, we, we got to yeah. know. But then as years passed and um, it kind of was just put on the shelf and we just forgot about it and we mm. went on to do Tony. And, and it wasn't when we went to Dinar, the French film festival in, in Brittany, mm -hmm. that we got talking to Stephen Woolley and he said, do we have any, any ideas? And I said, actually, well, we got this idea called Hyena. And I talked about, it was something I really wanted to do. And Gerard yeah. was always like, oh, well, we'll see. If we get the money, great, you know, but I'm just going to concentrate on other things for now. And he had other ideas, but it was always in the back of my head. So I threw it out to Stephen Woolley. And then next day, Gerald gets a call from Stephen Woolley. I love your idea. And so here we are now. But 
had you guys written it at that point or, or once I, the idea was hey we love your idea then it starts yeah it was just a pitch it was just a pitch of oh, like wow. we okay. want to do an english policia you know in the style of melville and it's about corruption and, and we know a lot of corrupt people so it was it was that it was this and then we went on the big journey of i mean the film took four years um wow. and, and a lot of that time was meant uh, was was spent developing uh researching so that would mean mm. Um, obviously, A, talking to corrupt police, mm -hmm. B, um, shadowing non-corrupt police, so spending a lot of time with vice squads, drug sure. squads, and so, sort of getting that wow. part, because obviously the part of police corruption, you can only talk to people that are not actually in the force anymore, right. um, for obvious reasons, and ones that are willing to talk to us. Um, one guy in particular was very, very useful for me and Peter, he, he is now witness protection, so, <laughs> okay, and uh, pretty hardcore. So, and he was really open to talking to us, which was amazing. Um, obviously, he can't be, couldn't be mentioned in the credits or anything. Sure, sure. <laughs> but then, uh, th yeah, that's one part of it. But then you want to get all the procedural stuff right. Uh, that takes a lot of time. And then also going into the Albanian community and getting right. that uh, right and authentic. You know, because all these these. So it, it, it took a long, a, a, a long time to uh, go into those worlds, you know, and earn the trust of certain people and, you know, be let in. And, 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 and I think you can really feel it in the film. I think if, if anyone from the Albanian community, anyone from the police force can see that we have put the work in them, you know, it's not... It's not just, I will just make it up. Right. You know? Well, it's funny that you say that because it's like, obviously you guys put in so much time and, and research and development, but when, I, when, you just, when you guys tell me the story of meeting this guy and who he is, and even that the fact that he disappeared and doesn't want to talk, that seems like almost writes itself right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it just sparks the imagination. Yeah. Well, as Peter said, it, it, we, uh, we were actually at a, a, a festival in London, weren't we? We bumped into him. Uh, I think it was... Love Fest or one of those? I can't remember. We, we were at a, it was like an all-day festival, and we, and we hadn't seen oh, him uh, for love, a Love Box. Love yeah. Box. Yeah. yeah. And this guy was standing, <laughs> he was standing in the middle of the festival with a cowboy hat on, and he had like his top off, and he's like dancing. Dancing with, away. And I'm like, look, that's our film. You know, you don't really need to do much more. <laughs> yeah. um, but obviously it does, it, it did change quite a lot. So what I kept, I kept mainly the fact that uh, his relationship with his girlfriend with, with a couple that we knew but then it, it, the, the script becomes a mixture of different stories that you hear and obviously you, you, you bring your own stuff into it so it, it, his, I think if he saw the film obviously he would recognise himself but not right. what the character he, yeah. the character the path takes is, is, is different to, to his one it's evolved a lot yeah so. yeah um. Peter, we we were talking earlier about um, you look very different now than than you do in in this film, and um, you know obviously you guys had a lot of development time. Uh, what was part of your um, process to to get to this character? Because it sounds like you guys really really worked at. Uh... Well, yeah, as Jared pointed out about the research that we did, it was very important that I I got to shadow the police because you can only read so much, you can only talk so much about it to actually go out with the police and watch them do their job. That was paramount for me because then you really get to look at their behavior 
the nature of the job, the terminology, they, all that they use, all the procedural mm. stuff you get to really see uh, at first hand. And that really cemented the character to go out on raids, to run into a building and see an arrest go down. Mm. Just watch all that stuff and uh, watch a brief to a debrief, watch them in the office, all their banter when they're chatting and joking. Yeah. All that stuff was so important he to watch that. He, he was so good that he was helping the police. I mean, he found some yeah, extra drugs. I actually found drugs on one of the were, raids. And I was like, yeah. maybe you shouldn't be taking it that <laughs> far. Because if you found more drugs, then he's going to get a heavier sentence. It's not really a nice and thing it's just for a, a non He's not done a, a nice thing there. The poor guy's now going to get a heavier sentence. But I was just literally going through everything, pulling out the beds and wardrobes and just <laughs> trying to find stuff. But, um, and then also uh, what was important was um, just to get a bit heavier. Yeah, you put on weight, right? All those guys are all big guys. They're not slight little skinny guys. Um, so, I, yeah, I gained about 35 pounds just to just feel like how those guys do. And it really changed everything, the way I walked and I was sweating a lot. And yeah. I was pretty exhausted every day, yeah, because I was eating about seven, eight meals a day and drinking a lot of beer, a lot of milkshakes just to keep it on. So I was pretty exhausted. <laughs> But it, it, it helped for the, for the character. For the character. It right. really helped, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a real sense of like, dread and um, desperation in this movie. The, from everything that on your face and your acting to just the way Gerard shot it, it's the, the way that looks. Does that, um, does that exact a, a heavy toll or can that just be imagination? Like how, how is your set for a film like this or how is it for you? Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy... Yeah, it's a yeah. heavy film. Yeah, I mean, you have, you know, uh, you do create, you have to create an environment that almost feels, and that's why I like, you know, uh, obviously location shooting rather than sets and everything. We're in, we're in the area where we're shooting, and and I use a lot of non-actors as well to mix, to put in the mix, so it becomes, so it's, in a way, it's almost like we're doing a documentary the way mm. that you shoot, and and you have to keep, but, it, you know, obviously, you you have to. Have a have a laugh as well doing it. You can't be totally. I mean, right. there's certain scenes that, you know, it's better to close the set off and uh, and and to and, and to keep it in the zone. But then there's other times. You know, a lot of the stuff with the crew themselves. You know, when they're when they're drinking and partying and everything. Those times it was it was it was important to get them relaxed and and to have that camaraderie and yeah and we also spent a lot uh, I, because I use a, a certain workshop period when I work where I spend a lot of time just me and the actors for a, for a number of weeks or months talking about not only the, the film but anything you know but getting but it's important that we build a, a bond that that relates to the characters so for instance all the crew spent a lot of time together we went out and Went for curries and, yeah. and, and, and and beers and everything, but mainly it was just it was talking and, and, and talking about the character, taking it right back to the beginning, and that stuff cements it for everyone. Right. So that my job as a director, half of it is done when I'm on the set, because the actors then know as much, if not more, than me about their characters, you know, and sure. I can because obviously making a film, you know, there's so many things to think of. And it's the only way I can work is the way I build that bond with the with with the cast that we're all on the same page, right? And they have absolute trust in me. I have absolute trust in them. 
because there never is the time on the day to start having these big questions. But if you do it all months in advance, you know, you, it's taken care of. And also it creates a, a family. You know, you make a film with yeah. a family, as you say. So there are times when you are deadly serious about it. There are other times when you just can be a bit more light-hearted about it. Sure. But for Peter, it was very tough. Uh, it wasn't. There wasn't many light-hearted <laughs> moments. Yeah. No. Um, no. Well, mainly because yeah. he had chocolate milk coming out of every pore of his body. No. <laughs> no. It was intense. But then, you, as Gerald said, the days where you have to have a light relief and have a laugh and joke, because otherwise, you, it gets too too heavy and too intense. You have to be able to switch it off, because otherwise, it's just. But it, well, every day was a state of panic, or you know. Yeah. Very tense scenes, and it's, uh, it's it was hard work. You can't you you you've got to try and go there as an actor. You have to, otherwise it's not. But you know, right? Yeah, but it, it was hard. Yeah. It must be difficult to maintain too, because, like like what we're saying, like the, the film has just such a visceral quality to it. You you feel the sweat. You feel the. It's like he's he's uh, he's sweating out toxic, existential pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With all the drug taking and alcohol, and and uh, he's uh, there's not much there's not much chance for redemption for for Michael. Right. Uh, <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about? I mean, you mentioned it a little bit at first, but um, I really like the title, and obviously it's, it's got a lot of layers to it. Do you guys want to talk about what it means to to you individually? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, Hyena was the title before even the. The film, really. I always, you know, I, I, a I've got a fascination with the with the animal. Um, I think they get a very bad rep uh, <laughs> as being a scavenger, and they're not a scavenger. They're a very efficient predator. Um, but the Greek uh, for hyena is pig, which we in the in in the UK we that's mm. our nickname for the for the police. Yeah. yeah. But they, you know, it's it's also with a hyena. They, as I say, they're a very efficient predator, but they hunt in packs and, you know, they will take on a lion if there's enough of them, but on their own, they are less brave, as it were. So it's almost with Michael, when he's separated from his pack, right. he is at slightly a more loose end and he's more vulnerable. Um, yeah, so that's it for me, really. I mean, there, there are a number of, you know, there are certain packs in the film as well right i just think to uh, play a character that is so far removed from myself i'm not a police officer i don't live that sort of lifestyle and to be th thrown in that sort of situation as an actor is quite you know a challenge and and it's so, so different from what i've done before so it's that was really the key for me to do something that was as intense and as different as as what i've done before so and pre especially in contrast to Tony, so it was like a real kind of like, I have to do this. Right. Because it's so, uh, they're totally different. And that's what interests me as an actor, is to, to play characters that are totally different, um, if possible. <laughs> um, yeah. the, the movie is, uh, is violent. It's, it's part of the, 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 the existence and the fabric of these people. Violence pervades their lives. Um, it's just there. Uh, what is um, what is your guys' approach to violence, and uh, what you hope to to say and uh, communicate to the audience? Because you know, uh, violence can be shocking, and it is, and etc. But I, I feel like there's more to it here. 
Yeah, well, I think the violence in Hyena is, uh, as I've, I've said before, it's not for titillation. It's, 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 it's there because it sickens Michael and it should sicken us. And it's the world's... Uh, we, I was lucky enough to meet um, a very... Uh, he's, he's, they call him the Flying Doctor. He's a, he's a doctor in London who is on the helicopter that goes... He's first into the scene mm. of any big catastrophe, you know, when... 7-7 seven, seven, when, when the, the underground got bombed, yeah. he's the first doctor in there. So he's seen, and, and he also he's, he's been to a lot of areas in London where there's, um, you know, areas of uh, Turkish, Albanian areas where he's gone in firsthand and seen things. Right. Um, right. And it's the level of, of, of violence that we don't see that happens behind closed doors that's 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 away from us because we choose not to not to look at it or we you know we look the other way but i'm always fascinated with that in big cities what goes on it's almost like with tony you know you had a serial killer living right. on a little uh, council estate that you don't you wouldn't necessarily think you were living next to a right. serial killer just a, a strange little guy carrying blue bags around um but yeah, we've, you know, when, you, when you're doing so much research and you go into these worlds, you do realise that it is uh, shocking and, you know, especially the thing with human trafficking, which we spent a lot of time researching. And I was lucky enough to meet a girl that had been trafficked um, and it was her story that was the basis of Ariana, you know, I'm, I'm right. more or less. And everything that happened to Ariana happened to her. And she was 27, but she looked 47, you know, her life, wow. uh, it was, you know, shocking. It's shocking what had happened to her. And that was so heartbreaking to me. I mean, I met a lot of people, you know, from different walks of life, meeting her. You know, I was, I had tears in my eyes, you know, and I, I, I we recorded her and, you know, it's important to show that stuff. I mean, we can all say we know it goes on, but... I think people choose to block it out. They don't realise what a problem it is, right. especially in, in, in big cities. So even though I, I can see the film is violent, um, it's not violence for comedic value. You know, it's right. not, we're not showing someone getting his head cut off and then, it's, and then there's a quip at the end or there's right. a joke at the end. None which is cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of have a problem with that when we de we're desensitised to violence so much right. that it's, it's used... As a, as, a, as a way of getting a, a, a punchline. But YouTube now, and you've only got to go on the net and you'll see things a hundred, a thousand times worse than Hyena. You right. know, what's out there for everyone to see is, um, you know, it's, it's in a way that a lot of the stories and a lot of the stuff that I could have put in the film, I took out because it was too gratuitous, you know. But as I say, it shouldn't be, it's not there to get titillation it's sure. not there it's there because it serves a purpose and it rests on michael's inability to cope with violence mm. yeah mm. Mm. that's got to be a burden on that character too well yeah um because i think he starts when his whole world starts to collapse his whole infrastructure starts to collapse from the moment right i don't want to, any spoilers but the opening you know the scene where he i won't say what happens yeah. but um that affects everything and he starts to think about his own, his own kind of world and his, his own conscience, and especially when um, Ariana, the traffic girl, comes into the fold, that 
it really makes him think about what he's doing, I think. Right. Subconsciously, I don't think he, and he, he, I think that's his way of saving her in a way he's trying to save himself right. without really um, yeah. sort of expressing that or vocalizing yeah. that. I think that's his way of trying to get out of the situation in a way, but he just, he's, um, he's dug himself such a deep hole. It's, um, I don't think there's any way out for him. Yeah, I mean, he's corrupt, but then yeah. this, these things happen and it just, it raises the stakes even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And just the violence, as, as Gerard said, it's shocking, and that's how it, but it's not done for just to shock an audience. It's done yeah. to show it for how it really is. Violence is ugly. Whenever you, I've seen violence, it's not yeah. pretty, it's ugly. And that's how it should be. Yeah. It should never look clean and smart and cool. It's yeah. just, I, I mean, that's entertaining on one level, but it's not real. Violence should look ugly. And, I, I, and not, not just to shock people, but just to show it for how it really is. Yeah. Yeah. You guys said like, or Gerard, you, you said it's uh, you know some some people de or desensitize the violence. It's like this film like resensitizes you to violence. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if if that's the case, then it's then it's done its job. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> as I say, it, it, in Tony, it was a film about a serial killer. But I I I took the I took so much violence out and made suggestion rather than showing it full on. But you're making a film about a serial killer, you're gonna to have to show him killing someone at some point, otherwise, you know, but it is, I'm not, I think, yeah, violence if it serves and it's in its right context can still be used as an effective tool, but I think, yeah, uh, there, there is probably, there is a, uh, an argument for the kind of violence that takes it out of, and it's, it becomes fantasy, a cartoon violence. Sure. Mm. Mm. Um, did you guys have, um, if you could think of like your biggest challenge in making this film, do you, do you each have a, either a specific one or a, a broad challenge of, of making this movie? I suppose for you it was the weight, wasn't it, I suppose? Yeah, putting the weight and just, also just um, emotionally, it's a, it's a challenge to have to go there every day and, and find the emotions and to try and really... Um, live in those circumstances and every day was a challenge, but in a, but a good way. It's physically, right. emotionally draining on one level, but satisfying on another. Sure. Because you feel like you've achieved something at the end of the day. You know, it's not just about learning lines. <laughs> Anyone can learn lines. I, I hate learning lines. I'm <laughs> shit at learning lines, but it's, you know, about really sinking yourself deep into something and trying to manifest it in a truthful way. It's, it's not easy. You know, good acting is not easy. I hope it's good, but I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I'm a good actor, but you know what I mean. You know, it's uh, absolutely. It's not easy because the cam <laughs> camera's right in your face. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to talk about the, the the rest of the cast? I mean, you have Stephen Graham in here and some other terrific actors, and also you have these Albanian guys who you were mentioning earlier, who were like. I'm just watching the trailer again. I'm remembering. Oh my god, these guys are terrifying. One of them's actually here. I don't know if he's here you in the great. audience, is he? But uh, yeah, we we oh. have Elisa there. Elisa's uh, who, here, who plays Ariana in the film. Okay. Um, and one, one one of the Albanian guys, Orly, um, is also here. I don't think he's here now, but no. he's here. He'll be here for the Q and A later at the screening. Um, yeah, as I say, it was important for me. To, if I was going to make a film about the Albanian community, to to actually use 
Albanians, mm -hmm. you know, and films like Taken, they'll, they will just use whoever and give them an Albanian accent or just an Eastern European accent. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, you go and run with that. Um, but for me, it was about what, as well, what they could tell me about the real Albanian community, what I could get from them as much as what, so, so it was important. They didn't need to be actors for a start. Um, and I didn't really want actors because uh, I, wa I wanted actual people that have had that experience, you know, um, of coming to London. And uh, so we street cast and saw most of the Albanian community uh, and two guys, they, they weren't brothers, um, but they just worked really well together. Um, and it's always a tricky thing when, you, when you're working. You, you, you get a feeling, but when you're working with people who are not actors, obviously there's a different way of working to them as, as, as say, with, with Peter. So you have to get a real... They, for a start, they have to be very confident in what they're doing because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal to be going on to... It's OK in a room with me and, and you know, a producer, but to then go on set with, with 60, 70 people right. and to be that terrifying as they are you know it's it's a, it's a big and they were great you know they were brilliant um and uh again it was what i learned from them as as, as well as, as as what um they learned from me you know and it's a bit and again that's when working for that long period and you 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 talk about it and then you go out and i was i went out to a lot of Albanian clubs and in, into those certain areas, and, and it was it was brilliant. You know, I could have done, I could have just made the whole film about those guys, really. <laughs> uh, which and, and that's, the, the, I mean, I'm not, probably nobody's seen it here, but the Albanian celebration scene that was my most fun great, yeah. on the whole film that day, shooting that dancing, because yeah. we just got everyone. We just said we're having the party, and they all turned up. They all made the, the food, you know, and we just. And we Sorry. were just there with a camera, and they were they were just having a party. It was it was great, and you could feel the energy, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I th but I think those guys are, and also they got when they were in costume and walking around, because we did some shots where someone went around with a with a camera and just took photos of them, so they would walk ahead. And God, I mean, people were just crossing the road. You know, <laughs> no one was. People were just like seeing these two guys one it's got a big scar and they just walks <laughs> around terrified everyone <laughs> but they're lovely guys <laughs> <laughs> um let's uh let's watch a clip from the film
not messing about. <laughs> it's not that violent, the film, really, is it? I mean, it's not all violence. <laughs> no. Uh, what, uh, it's just when it's there, it's, it's shocking. But <laughs> is, is that scene in particular... Um, that's the softest scene, though. Yeah, that's Where it's placed in the film seems like engineered, because it sets, it sets a great mood for what's to come. Yeah. Yeah, and that was always in the script that I, uh, from, from, you know, day one, that it was silent. It was just mayhem, them, them going into a club and everything kicked off and it was all, but we didn't hear what was going on. It right. was always sound design yeah. or music over the top. And I always had a very strong idea of what the club should look like. And, and then the guy sets the fire extinguisher off, which I, in my head I'd always wanted to know what that would look like. <laughs> when we actually did it, it was a nightmare because obviously to set again would have been impossible. So we had to do it more or less in one take. If we didn't get it, uh, it was too late because otherwise once that stuff went everywhere. Covered in blue rust. Uh, yeah. So we did it and I think they sent in the professional cleaners. They were there for a week. They were very up, the club was very upset because <laughs> it went everywhere, um, yeah. But that's you know. Luckily, we got we got it. <laughs> it's an interesting choice too, because some other, maybe some other filmmaker might, might go in there in a very kinetic way and to try and really exaggerate the violence that's there. But yeah. you sort of take a, the reverse approach. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And it's just that that almost otherworldly feel, um, which I, which which again was was in the script where it was just you know. It took, we, we just went into this dark place straight away. And, and just the opening, I mean, you didn't show it there, but he's looking over London and there's no dialogue. It's just he's picking his crew up and they go in, you know, and then, and then we cut to the pub later on, you know, when they're just, they're relaxing once their job is done, yeah. No, it's a great, uh, you know, I'm very pleased with that opening. It's a, it sets the mood, as you say. Should we take some questions? Hi, thank you so much for coming. No, it's first, I love British people, they were so yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. You just came for the accent. Ah, okay. I'm Japanese. <laughs> uh, but then I love very intense, violent British movie, like uh, Football Factory, Half Hour, then Jack O'Connor's Startup. It was so violent. He was, you, in, he was in that movie? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't sorry. recognize it. Yeah. But you were perfect, I really believe. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> my question for both, I have a question for both. Who influenced you then you became a filmmaker or actor? Thank you so much. Well, actually, probably uh, the, the first influence has been obviously lots of influences over the years, but our first very strong influence is quite interesting being in uh, Tribeca was obviously Scorsese and De Niro. You know, Taxi Driver's always been my favourite film. Um, and mm. well, yeah. Robert De Niro yeah. for Peter. Yeah. To be showing at the Tribeca Film Festival with probably, and I'm, it's probably for a lot of actors, and, but to come here with our film, knowing full well that, dare I say it, De Niro was probably my favourite actor as a kid. He's probably the reason why I seriously wanted to be an actor. Before I was just kind of just, but then I thought, no, now I seriously want to do it because of him. That's the truth. Um, so to be here Gene with... Gene Wilder as well. Yeah, Gene Wilder, actually. I forgot, I forgot about Gene Wilder. It's the crazy. I love Gene Wilder. No, but that's true. Yeah, that's true. So. Hi. Um, I was wondering if you could expand upon, um, like, the whole thing with the Albanian. I know you mentioned Albanian and Turkish, kind of a, in the crime. Sorry? Like, uh, the whole thing with the Albanian. 
I, I'm not really familiar with that, and I was just curious about uh, how that like plays a role in. Yeah, well, um, it, it starts off, you know, you know, when you're making. Obviously, the idea of the corrupt police came first in my head. You know, there was that story. So, the thing that interests me about London, because we're both from London, and our families run pubs and nightclubs in the East End, and when we were growing up, or even before we were born, London had London gangsters, Cockney gangsters, you know, and, and what's interesting about um, London now is it's so multicultural, but the crime is multicultural. And originally I had the idea of the film to do it where not exactly all was subtitled, but it interested me that it's such a great melting pot that there's so many different languages and everything else, and there's a lot of things. The reason that one of the the older Albanians, he doesn't speak English in the film, he speaks English in real life, but I thought it was interesting that you haven't seen the film, but he always has to go through his brother. So there's this language barrier that's there. And once you're doing the research into London crime, you realize that there are small pockets of crime that the police tend to not know too much about because A, I've been told from various other reasons that they, they, they let it police itself, really. And B, they just really don't know. So the Albanians kept reappearing whenever I was doing a lot of research because they have a mystique about them. They, they are the most, how can I put it? The most, because little is known about them, they have this sort of aura. And I wanted to see, and it does, it does exist, but I wanted to see, having gone into the community and now know so much about it, it's a small percentage. It's not how the newspapers would have us believe uh, that it's, but it is there. And it's, what's unknown is, it, for me, is, is interesting, you know, about these worlds, and it's going into these worlds and showing, trying to show how it is. And yeah, the Turks have, have been in London for quite a number of years and they controlled the heroin trade in, in North London for, for a number of years. There's a lot of big families, but now it's moved on because the Albanians have come in, they've worked together and then they start to build their own factions. I think it's also interesting how the Albanians, predominantly come from a war-torn yeah. country and they've, they've gone through a lot of hardship. So these guys are, they're a different breed of criminal. And obviously they're dealing with a different culture and a different whole mindset as opposed to just your average criminal in London. They're just a completely different breed they're of criminal. An un 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 yeah. unstoppable force. And Michael's not ever been used to... Yeah. It's a different he's dynamic. always had his own way, you know. He's had his own way in the area of crime for so long, being a corrupt policeman. But yeah. these guys won't play ball and he finds it really hard to deal with. Yeah. It's a completely different dynamic, you know. You said that you were hoping the film would uh, is not just there doesn't gratuitously um, revel in the violence, but that you are hoping that you might have an impact. Could you talk a little further on how you think or how you feel the film might affect uh, audiences in England, and particularly in England, uh, about the crime situation, corruption, and so on and forth? Yeah, I mean, corruption hasn't um, gone away. When we made the film, when we were making the film, and obviously doing the amount of research. If you go onto Google um, or, or any 
any search engine or any newspaper. Every week there was another story about corruption that was that was being leaked or, or something new was, was happening. Now, I don't think with a with a fiction uh, cop really you're gonna you're gonna change much. You know, it's it's. It's not going to have any effect on police corruption, and anyway, we're making something still. It's based on a lot of research and everything, but I still have to make sure that what I've done is a work of fiction. It's not based on any any individual. Um, obviously, things like the human trafficking situation does really uh, is something that I think a film can make an impact on. We've only got to see Lilia Forever. I don't know if you're familiar with that film, where. That made a big impact on on that actual subject, and that was a number of years ago now. So I think in in, in that capacity, I think it really does help, and it can open it up to debate. And we have tried in the UK to try and uh, I mean, and various charities were involved in this film, the Eves Trust charity and Poppy, who look after uh, trafficked girls. Um, and we spent a lot of time with them, and hopefully that will raise awareness for that. But again, yeah, you, you know, it's it's not a documentary, but you just hope that you can raise awareness to certain issues. What what originally attracted you to the idea of making the film? How did you portray yourself that it will be successful for the audiences? The the idea itself, the or the film. How how what? how the idea come about? How did you know that it will be successful for the audience? How, how did you know in advance it will be successful for the audiences, that kind of oh, idea? You, yeah, you can't. I mean, as a filmmaker, you can't really... I mean, unless I'm making Avengers 5, um, <laughs> you can't really look about... it. You have to just be... Uh, you, you basically have to be interested in it enough that it becomes something that you really want to do next, you know? And you should never approach it, or I never approach anything thinking oh, this is going to go down well. You can't. You have to judge your own self, what you want to see or what you want to make next. or you know. And, and hopefully, if it is successful, that's great. But if it's not, you wouldn't have it any other way anyway. You wouldn't change it and say, well, actually, I should have made this film. Because obviously, there are certain directors and filmmakers where it is all about how much box office you're going to take. And But, you know, it's it, for me, it's about telling the stories I want to tell and hopefully some people will give me some money and be interested. <laughs> if not, I'll be making Avengers 5. <laughs> Hi. Um, so I saw the film in London and absolutely loved it. Another English <laughs> um, <laughs> um But I absolutely loved the soundtrack too and I was wondering if you could maybe talk about that. Yeah, good question. Um, so... Uh, in case anyone doesn't know, we are cousins. We're yeah. related, and my um, my brother does the music uh, for the film, and he also did the music for my uh, first film, Tony. I don't know if anyone knows a band, the the, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Matt has obviously been a very successful musician and, and been in a very successful band over the years. I always. Growing up, I always thought his music was quite cinematic anyway, and I, I had a feeling that he would, because we've all been really, as a family, we've been extremely influenced by film from a very early age. And Matt also, his you know, influence was more on the soundtrack side. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, this uh, this soundtrack is almost. I think it's his it's his best work to date. Not in soundtracks, obviously. Uh, we went for a completely very aggressive synthesizer keyboard sound uh, for this, and he got a lot of he had a lot of uh, equipment out in storage out in um, out in the countryside that we dusted off and um, brought out of retirement, and we worked on it. We worked very closely on the on on the score together, um, and yeah, I think he's done a I think he's done an amazing job. Are you guys going to release that? It's out, yeah, it's yeah, out. Great. It's out already on, um, and it's a, it's in a beautiful booklet actually. It's like a sixty-page booklet on CD, and then it comes out on Defaults. You know Defaults? Uh, they do vinyl, so there's a mm. going to be a vinyl edition, which is a, it's a double album, and it's blue and red vinyl. It's like a beautiful thing, but yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's all we have time for. Thanks for coming out. Um, Heine is now available on iTunes and VOD. And for New Yorkers who want to see it on the big screen, it's available. Uh, it hits theaters on May 1st at Cinema Village in New York. So check it out. If you like it, make sure to tweet about it, social media, tell your friends, uh, support the film. It's, it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.